Greetings and welcome to today's edition of I Think Speech. I am Hazel Archer Ginsburg, and I am always curious to know what happened in the past, which informs the present and can lay the foundation for a future. So I, I get a lot out of exploring the, the various feast days and birth and death days. And I'm inspired by Rudolf Steiner, who provides a calendar of the soul, which includes weekly verses. I put these up in my blog all the time um, that express how the changing seasons in the natural world, as well as those inner seasons, right? Our inner life and how that changes. And, and by looking at the connections and seeing the flow, it helps us in uh, evolving our consciousness. So according to this original calendar of the soul, don't you love that name? Today, January 2nd, is the feast day of Abel, born of the union of Adam and Eve, a mild keeper of sheep. We hear in the Bible story how, as a shepherd, Abel accepts life as the Creator provides it and offers the Creator back to itself, which was gladly accepted. And of course, we all know the next part of the story that tells us that Abel was the first human being to die, slain by his brother Cain, who was fundamentally opposed to the life of a simple shepherd because his destiny was to offer up the work of his own hands, his will, cultivating and changing what was given in nature. So we can see this is a, a kind of a recapitulation of something that was unripe for its time, right? Just like the forbidden fruit that got Adam and Eve expelled from the garden. Yeah, a lot to, lot to contemplate there. But it's, it's interesting because today is also the feast day of Seth. In Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, Seth is recognized as the third son of Adam and Eve, appointed as a replacement for Abel. Yeah, his name means placed or appointed. And yet Seth holds the qualities of both older brothers, but in a balance. Now, Rudolf Schoener, he shares a story called The Golden Legend, which was imparted to pupils of occultism in the form of an image. And the legend tells us that Seth was called by the angel Michael to approach the cherubim with the flaming sword, guiding, guarding the gate of paradise. And Seth was found worthy to cross this threshold. And when he entered, he found the tree of knowledge and the tree of life with their branches intertwined into one tree. And from this tree, Seth took three seeds, following the command of the angel who guided him. And he kept these three seeds. And when Adam, his father, died, he placed them into Adam's mouth. And a tree grew out of Adam's grave. And this tree revealed a writing in flaming Hebrew letters, the words, Eya, Esha, Eya. I am 
who was, who is, and who shall be. A prefiguring, right, of the, the burning bush that Moses saw, revealing the great I am. So Seth took some wood from this tree and many things were made out of it. Among them, a branch which became the magic rod of Moses. And this tree multiplied. From its wood came the bridge that the queen of Sheba walked on to get to Solomon's temple and which she crossed to meet the master builder. And later on, when it had passed through many other destinies, it became the cross upon which the Savior hung. And so the legend connects the wood of the cross of Golgotha with the tree which grew out of Adam's grave from the seeds of the tree of paradise. Such an evocative legend, right? This was used in Rosicrucian initiation rites. And, and in a minute, you'll see why I'm interweaving these seemingly diverse images together when we explore the obvious connections with the ninth holy night. <clears throat> but first, the foundation is laid to show that today is also the birthday of Melchior, the oldest member of the Magi, the king of Persia, who brought the gift of gold to the Matthew Jesus. And it's also the death day of Theodorius of Cyrene. Did you ever hear of him? An ancient Libyan Greek who lived during the fifth century BC. Really the only firsthand accounts of him that survive are in three of Plato's dialogues. But he's famous for the mathematical theorem now known as the spiral of Theodorius which is the perfect lead-in for the ninth holy night. I love how these synchronicities happen, right? It represents, the ninth holy night is represented by the symbol of the vortex. It, it, it is the, uh, the symbol for the constellation of cancer, the crab ruling the rib cage, right? We talked about the uh, Leo and the heart, and so now today we have this rib cage, this, this fence around the, the heart. And this is the sphere of the cherubim, the spirits of harmony. So remember, this was the being guarding the gates of paradise who allowed Seth to enter, right? The circle of the 12 zodiac can be traced back to the dance of the cherubim working from the world periphery down into our primal beginnings in the ethers of old sun to create a kind of cosmic thorax, right? A, a protective rib cage around the sun, the heart of the universe. So it makes sense that the, the cherubim are represented as holding the boundary, the protective fence around the garden of paradise. The sign of the crab stands at the highest point in the circle of the zodiac and it embraces the whole circle in its protective shell. The crab is a it's a it's a modification of the vortex 
an ancient occult symbol which outpictures the, the harmonious transition between cycles. Steiner tells us, in the higher worlds, there is a process which appears also in the physical world, the rotation of a vortex. You can observe this phenomenon if you watch a starry nebula. There you see a spiral. That is on the physical plane, but you can observe it on all planes. You find that one spiral swirls into the next. Hmm. So yeah, all transitions, including world evolution in its various transformations throughout time, the shift from great and small, the procession of the equinoxes, and even the seasonal round are directed by the cherubim, the spirits of harmony. They, they take up the designs of the, the seraphim, the architects of the gods above them, and they move it towards expression by handing it down to the thrones. We talked about them yesterday. So here we see the harmonious interaction that occurs between these, these hierarchies. The spirals of the vortex provide the revolving movement, while the space in between the arms of the vortex relates to a rest or prolia, a pause, before the spiral transitions into a new phase. Some revolutions from one condition to another can take a more dramatic character, right? Something more drastic like Noah's great flood or the sublime example of the turning point of time, Christ's entry into world evolution, which completely changed everything and became the meaning of the earth. And it's interesting to note that John the Baptist was born under the sign of the crab, who in previous lives had been Elijah, and before that, Adam, the first earthly man, who then became after his death a kind of group soul for the apostles, providing them with a, a sort of protective shell around their human zodiac circle, a, a rib cage around Christ Jesus, the, the son heart of the 12. John the Baptist was, was able to recognize the, the pure nature of the Nathan soul living in the Jesus of Nazareth, that part of himself that was separated out before the fall, held back in the sun sphere so that it could unite with Christ in his descent to earth. And we see a connection with the cherubim, you know, with Adam and Eve, right, at the fall when the human being was cut off from the Trinity the realm beyond the zodiac, right? and, and the way was barred by the cherubim with the flaming sword. So this is a, a sort of a, a prefiguring of John's voice of conscience, which proceeds from the realm of the cherubim. Our, impulse, our impulses of will sprung from conscience is a necessary requirement for an understanding of the Christ impulse. And it was the Buddha who prepared the way for this concept, this concept of conscience, 
to arise during the time of ancient India, which stood under the sign of Cancer the Crab at that time in history. So we see these, these amazing connections, many, many of them. And we can see a connection with the, the many uh, speeches that John the Baptist made. They were a reflection of the sermons given by Buddha because the angel of Buddha was inspiring JB. The age of the consciousness soul, right, which we are living in right now, is a further preparation for this morality of conscience. Because human ego consciousness requires a, a lighting up of thought in the will. And this is an ability to understand the intentions behind actions. This, it's a moral cognition or a heart thinking, which is the seat of the will. Ever asking, are we willing to heed the voice of conscience and foster the imaginative inspiration from the realm of the cherubim in our heart thinking? Perhaps we need to practice the virtue, gosh, I know I do, unselfishness becomes catharsis. Christ, the being of love, shows us unselfishness. I think, yeah, it was Aristotle who coined, who coined the term catharsis, which comes from the Greek meaning to cleanse or purge. So by emulating the being of love and striving to act unselfishly, we can have the catharsis that cleanses us and, and opens the way so we can transition gracefully in our journey back to the Godhead, our ultimate evolutionary goal. Well, I'll see you in the spiraling vortex. Peace.